0: On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're hanging out with Nitro, Jazz, Malibu, and the rest of our American Gladiator friends. Learn about the hit early 90s TV show competition that pitted contender against contender against Gladiator. It truly is a story of roids, rage, and redemption.
1: And then we're talking about hazard pay. The extra money you get for doing a job that could get you hooked, and paled or crippled. My fishermen and loggers out there know what I'm talking about. Those two industries take the top two spots as the most dangerous in America. But on the rise in times like these are Instacart shopper and supermarket clerk. These jobs require contact with other people, which in normal times we would consider to only be inconvenient. But during a pandemic, this is the front line. Well, I can't promise you we'll keep you safe, but I can promise you some entertainment. Because this is Tell Me What You Know.
0: What's going on, everybody? Today is Thursday, April second. This is episode forty-nine of Tell Me What You Know, and we are officially recording remotely, starting with this episode. But it sounds like we're in the same room, which is pretty cool. I was going to say there shouldn't be much of a quality change, but uh, apologies for any inconveniences. I don't think you come here for. Maybe you do come here for how how great our our sound is. Who knows? I,
1: I think about thirty percent of the people come just for how good it sounds.
0: Most of the comments I've gotten it's not on our content. it's like, yeah, it actually sounds really professional. But oh, it sounds
1: great, yeah, you guys don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds amazing
0: yeah, what have you been up to man how's uh how's quarantine life? uh,
1: you know, it's about as good as I can make it, I think I yeah. still definitely feel better on days when it's just a nicer nicer weather outside. you can go on a on a better walk rather than I mean anytime you're stuck inside and it's raining and then the quarantine it's just it's heavy feeling, I think,
0: yeah. Today's beautiful. I, I But I kind of think like on nicer days, it's almost worse because I want to be outside. And it's like you can't really just go hang out outside.
1: Well, so here's the question for you. Would you yeah. have preferred this to happen in the dead of winter?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah? I, I don't know. 100
1: I, I don't know. I think I like it right around this time. If I had to choose it again, I, I would choose right around this time again. Because it's like there's some bad days. I don't mind staying in, to your point. But but then there's some days where I want to get outside and I want it to feel feel good.
0: Yeah, but I want to get outside and stay outside and like hang out with people. That's true. <laughs> not, not just be like, oh, here's my, you know, half an hour where I get gonna go for a walk and then go back home to my shoebox. That's true. Anyway,
1: that's true. But you can have a nice uh, little cocktail out on your enclosed patio. That's true.
0: And I have yes. my Peloton looking right out over uh, courthouse area of Arlington. Oh yeah. Nice trees and stuff.
1: You get some good people watching. You just remove that big TV that it has. That's right.
0: Yeah, right? well, my people watching consists of really fit trainers who are a lot better at riding bikes than I am.
1: Oh yeah, that's maybe more fun to to watch.
0: Yeah, but I've so I've been doing that. Uh, I saw I've been inspired by an Anna, uh, Anna de Armas tweet. You know she's going to be in a new Bond movie. I'm thinking about watching the entire Bond catalog because of her tweet.
1: Now. Oh, what? How many is it now? Like twenty three or 25 ish? Twenty yeah, five? Something.
0: I don't know exactly how many, but it's right around there.
1: That that's a good um, bucket list thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately, like a lot of the older ones, you have to like rent each one. You know? Yeah, yeah. They don't have to spring collection. For, like the uh, a DVD box set or something. Maybe. I maybe you can. I bet you could
1: buy them all for like a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, maybe something like that.
1: It's probably worth it.
0: I love James it. Bond. <clears throat> I want to watch them in order, so I need to like. Yeah, I don't know. I have to, I have to figure that out, but that's something that I'm going to try and do as well. Yeah, that'd be fun. Anyway, let's jump into today's topics. You mentioned that, that you thought we might have the same topic today. Uh, a 10% it, it, chance. It, it scares me when we both have that feeling a little bit. <laughs> if we both so. have
1: the feeling, it goes to 15%. Right.
0: All right, Michael, tell me what you know about American Gladiators. Oh, you dropped it on last week's
1: episode. <laughs> well, did. we do not have the same topic. Okay, good. But uh, I love this topic. I haven't, um, I haven't watched American Gladiators in a... Quite some time. And I didn't watch – didn't The Rock try to do like a revitalization of it or something?
0: He did something called Titan Games, which I think is similar. But I don't think – I think that was more, you know, uh, competitor versus competitor and no gladiator aspect to it.
1: Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, didn't
0: watch. Maybe there were gladiators. I can't remember. I
1: I think having the gladiators be, be consistent characters was awesome. I mean it had this um, – I, I, as I'm thinking of them right now, all I can do is see their they're like bright colors, but I'm forgetting their names. Can you think um, but, of? Any,
0: do you have a favorite that you can think of? Uh, I, I
1: I can't remember their names, and they they're always they have like Zane and crazy <laughs> Zane. It, it might not even be a guy, but that's that's like a name that I would Im- yeah. imagine an American Gladiator to have. Well, we'll um, get in,
0: we'll get into the names later for sure. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: But I just loved they had this like uh, ultimate wrestler or uh, WWE personality to him, And I loved how much they just played the villain towards the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, they, they would, you know, hit the shoot the guys with tennis balls who were like, you know, insurance salesmen who are also like former athletes <laughs> who are right. training for this. I mean, I, I just think what a what an amazing ultimate 90s TV show that just really captured the essence of that time period
0: it really was and i got i found an interview in sports illustrator that i have i'm in the middle of reading i didn't finish it for today's show i, I wish i had but uh these guys like they live like rock stars apparently like the sh- the show is a huge hit i mean there's like stories of these people uh being invited to bruce springsteen's house he's like i'm a huge fan and then springsteen shows them their his incredible gym in the basement and, like steve, <laughs> steve martin was out at dinner and saw one and invited him over and introduced him to dustin hoffman like these guys were celebrities yeah oh i mean i think it was must-see TV,
1: new episode. It was.
0: it was. Yeah. So let's kind of give it a little background here. This was, if you're not familiar, it was a weekly uh, television program. It was a competition television program. It started airing in September of 1989 and went uh, eight seasons, seven seasons, to May 1996. Hmm. And the setup was, it was two amateurs competing against each other, but also competing against the gladiators. The gladiators tried to impede their progress in the, in the certain events that they competed in. Uh, it kind of it, it was a there were contests of strength and agility. The whole concept was developed by two guys, Johnny Ferraro and Dan Carr. Dan Carr was the original host of the show. Ferraro was more of the financial backing. Eventually, Carr sold his share, and Ferraro teamed up and licensed it to Sam, Samuel Goldwyn Meyer. Uh, sorry, Sam, Samuel Goldwyn Company, which became part of MGM eventually. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, I read that in, in 2018 uh mgm had talks with ferraro and with seth rogan and evan goldberg to bring the show back for the 2019 2020 season did that huh. actually happen i don't remember that happening
1: i don't think it happened i mean the only remake as we sort of mentioned the, on, the only one i can think about is the rock trying to do a revitalization but i don't think it was in the same brand um yeah. it's just it's just you know athletic feats right. but i think there, there, but i do there, think there was some element of stopping the people doing it i i I'd have to go back and watch that promo. I'm not really sure what happened to that rock show. The Titan
0: games. I don't know yeah. either. Um, there was a remake of American Gladiators in, 20, in 2008, uh, but I think it was only for one season. Yeah. So we're going to focus on the classics. We're not going to go to the 2008. That, what, I, what I mean by that is when we talk about the events and stuff like that, we're only going to talk about the classic events. Yeah.
1: And Michael, just so we know, anytime we reference the Titan games, I will always think of it as the rock show. Like, the rock show. Yeah.
0: Yes. Okay, right. perfect. Yep. Well, I will not say the Titan Games anymore.
1: Yeah, it
0: uh, didn't even really happen. It's the rock show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the competition had two men competing against each other and two women competing against each other for the most part. So it was man versus man, woman versus woman. Faced off in a series of physical competitions, the Gladiators tried to stop them from succeeding in those events. And each series, so each show was part of a larger tournament that lasted, that spanned the entire season. And so hmm. uh, the so originally the, the champions from the first, basically, so... For the first five or so episodes, five or so weeks, uh, the top five uh, contenders from those like whoever won those first five weeks would go to the quarterfinals automatically, and then the three contenders with the most points who didn't win would be the final three that would go to the quarterfinals. Hmm. And then each week after that, it was single elimination. And then at the very end, the grand champion was crowned. The winner got ten thousand bucks, runner-up five thousand, and each semifinalist got two and a half thousand dollars.
1: I would probably just pay to participate. It'd be so much fun.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. It would be so awesome. Yeah. Uh, originally, the idea was that the champions from the first season would be the gladiators for the next season, but the show was so popular. And they, they were like, we have to have these personas, these professional uh, gladiators, I guess, be yeah. part of the show, right? Yeah. And these were all made up of, for the most part, pro or amateur bodybuilders and former football players, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were gigantic.
1: They were. They were yeah. definitely... Uh, have you looked at anything about steroid use about these from these guys? Oh, have I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, Joe Thiesman was actually the host for in the early seasons as well. I guess after his football career brutally ended on that Lawrence Taylor hit, he became uh, the host of the show. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, uh, let's get into the events because these things we talked about the st- the g- uh, great outdoor games last week, and that got me thinking about awesome events and other TV shows. So. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned pelting contenders with tennis balls. This has to be my favorite event, assault. Yeah. So, essentially, if you if you don't remember, there were about six to eight stations, and the, the contender had to move from station to station each time he moved. The stations basically gave them a little bit of cover, a little bit of reprieve from the gladiator sitting up on a tennis ball turret trying to destroy them with tennis balls. Yeah,
1: that oh, was fantastic.
0: Yeah, the contender had to move from station to station and tr- use... There's some sort of gun or weapon that shot uh, uh, like a Nerf arrow or a tennis ball, and they had to try and hit this target above the gladiator. If they did that, they won the event. When they moved from station to station, they were obviously exposed. They tried to dodge tennis balls. If you didn't hit the target, you also had a chance to, I guess, complete the course, and you'd get five points instead of ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they would shoot like rocket launchers or uh, slingshots or whatever. at at these targets. And it just looked like so much fun.
1: So much fun. They were almost like uh, t t-shirt cannon things that they would shoot back. And also the, uh, uh, the tennis ball launcher that the gladiator was using seemed really fun.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. That giant turret. Yeah.
1: Oh, and plus the closer you got, the harder it was to, to maintain cover, which I thought was cool.
0: What I don't understand is this is at the same time that like places like, did you have like a discovery zone growing up in Arizona?
1: I don't know if it was a discovery zone, but I remember having different types of like laser tag and and
0: paintball was definitely growing in popularity around this time. These giant indoor play places. This would be, if you just like franchise an American gladiator thing where you could come and do these events. Oh, that'd be so much fun. I guess there's some kind of like liability there because a lot of them are pretty physical. Sign
1: the paper and sign me up
0: for sure. So that's assault. You remember Atlasphere? <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice just cracked. I'm so excited about this one. Oh,
1: well, so I know, I mean, I know that there were several where there was like a hanging element. Um,
0: Here, how about this? Why don't you walk me through some events that you remember? And then I'll talk to you if, if, about well, which ones they are.
1: Well, so the one you just re- brought up assault was definitely one of the the most I remember. Um, yeah. The only other ones I really remember were like, you know, you're trying to run up a really like a 20 yard, maybe not 20 yard, um, like a 50 foot treadmill that has the arrows pointing different directions, sort of like you're playing a video game and you're yep. <laughs> trying to get to the top of it. It's kind of like, right. but you're dodging, um, gladiators in this, in this, uh, during the whole process of it. I think they're trying to shoot you with stuff and you get deducted points or added time or whatever.
0: So that's, that's the eliminator, which that's is the, the final eliminator. event of each, each, show. That's part That's that was step one of the eliminator. We'll yeah. get to that one. Well, atmosphere. I remember, oh, go ahead.
1: wasn't there another, so the other one, only one I really remember were the, um, you know, you've basically got like, I, they're kind of like logs, but you, were, it's not a log, but like it's, it's, um, I don't know. What do you even call these things? Oh, uh, the pugil um, sticks. Yeah, the sticks and you're trying you're basically on like a balance beam of some kind. It's not that maybe yeah. that thin, but you're trying to knock the other gladiator off and yep, that,
0: that was called joust. Joust. Yeah. Yeah, you're on like a bridge type thing. And yeah. There's a pit below you and you have these two pugil sticks which are basically they look like giant Q-tips.
1: Yes, those things.
0: Yeah, and you got to try and hit the other one off. That was a great a great event as well. Great event. We'll go back to Atlasphere. I'm sure you'll remember a lot of these as we go through them. You're put into a giant ball cage. Yeah. Like a giant hamster ball type thing. Yeah. And oh, yeah. On- <laughs> I just looked this up. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Like,
1: and, the, and the the smoke would come up.
0: Yeah, you're in one. The other contender's another. And then there's several gladiators in them as well. And there's a bunch of different little targets on the floor. There's like these octagonal targets, basically. You have to roll up and into. And if you get into it, you score a point. It looks a lot like Tron, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah it was the, definitely I, like yeah. a... It was definitely like, hey, what is 1980, what does the future look like in 1989? Right, right, right. Everybody in giant hamster balls. Yeah, sports of the that future. That was Atlas, yep. Another one I had forgotten about, Breakthrough and Conquer. This was essentially football and wrestling combined into one. Right, the oh, first yeah. Breakthrough, you started on the 15-yard line, and the gladiator had to be on the five and couldn't move from the five until you got there, and you had to try and score a touchdown. That's right. You either scored or you got tackled. Uh, if you scored, you got points. If you got tackled, you didn't. And then from there, you would move on to a wrestling circle, and you had 15 seconds to try and throw the other gladiator out of the circle, basically. Mm-hmm. That was a breakthrough and conquer. What a part of this wasn't there?
1: Some element of chance where you you had like certain doors you could run down. This actually might be at the the eliminator challenge, but yep, you right. you maybe, yeah yeah you you like could choose which uh, breakaway wall you could run through, and sometimes there was a gladiator be- behind that breakaway wall.
0: Yeah, I was like, "What's behind?" You know, you got door number one or two. You got to choose which one you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> exactly. you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna run into uh, design, <laughs> nitro,
0: laser, blazer, laser, mazer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hang tough. You probably remember it's like the rings. Where you oh You had to hang onto yeah. the rings. You had to swing from one side to the platform on the other, and then the gladiators would obviously be on rings as well, trying to pull you off. Yep. A lot of this stuff took a lot of strength to be able to do, like even like compete. You had to be – these weren't just like – I mean I guess they were average Joes compared to the Gladiators, but they were all amateur athletes. Like,
1: Yeah, no. I remember some of them were kind of like this event is almost a little too intense for you. It just requires a certain level of strength or – you know, I remember some of the – I mean some of the, the – both of the male and the female athletes weren't great at this. And they definitely seemed like the Gladiators were like – could have been drinking a beer and still made them not – complete their challenge
0: right you know exactly well they got so much vicodin coursing through their veins at the time they just don't even feel anything
1: that's right yeah (laughs) they can't feel their legs
0: (laughs) yeah uh that was hang tough human cannonball remember this one
1: yes oh where they're on the they're like yes i do remember this you're like on a swing uh or like a zip line of thing
0: the gladiators are on pedestals and you have to swing and try and knock them off their pedestals. yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: What a great Sounds
0: so show. Fun. Sounds so fun. Again, uh, they had,
1: it's another thing of why did this go away? I mean, why only up till 1996? Don't I don't get you, it.
0: You know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah. Uh, the maze, just a random maze. You had 60 seconds to get through, and behind certain turns, there might be a gladiator there with a blocking pad waiting to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had Powerball, which was the signature event of the series, many say. I uh, I definitely remember this one, but it wasn't my favorite. It was uh, – so it was like a like an oval-type field, and on each end there were there was a bucket of balls. And you had to take a ball and score them in different cylinders throughout the field, and the gladiators tried to stop you. I guess if you got tackled, you had to put the ball down and go get another one.
1: That's right. I, I remember this one. Yeah. So and, that
0: was Powerball.
1: And there was some element where weren't two competitors doing it at the same time, so you yeah. could, you could yeah. wait – for the other person to go and, and draw the attention of the, the gladiators and then go out and put it in a bucket and then run back to the other side.
0: Correct. And yeah. I believe that there, I think it was like three gladiators and the two contenders. And I think like the middle bucket, maybe got you more points than the other two.
1: Yeah. Cause you had to go further to get it. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, right. and I think there were three gladiators. And I think to your point about the center, right. there was always one gladiator who like wouldn't let you get into the center.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's probably, that's probably true.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, We'll take a little uh, sidetrack side here. Do you, do you remember the, the video game for, I think it was Super Nintendo for this? No. I, and well. Maybe I'm making this up, but I swear there was a video game for this that was so much fun. Or maybe I'm thinking like a, it was Guts or something. Guts was basically just the no, kids' I, version. No, I think you're all
1: right. <laughs> I think I just did a quick Google search. There's one on NES.
0: Yeah, okay. So the original Nintendo. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Also, just yeah. looking at the pictures of this, the branding was so good. I mean, it's so like American. I mean, it's American yeah. Gladiators. It's just fantastic.
0: So good. Um, Powerball we talked about pyramid, basically just a giant pyramid constructed of crash mats, crash pads. You had to get to the top, and there were gladiators trying to stop you. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of the, the whole mo of this. You got to do something. These gladiators are going to be in your way.
1: I, I don't remember the gladiators ever talking.
0: Did they ever have speaking roles in this? Uh, they were interviewed sometimes. I and mean, I think they maybe like talk trash before because they'd be like, you know, Gladiator's ready. Yeah. Contender's yeah. ready. <laughs> That's right. I, th- I
1: think – yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there was some interviews in the beginning.
0: There's also a classic interview by one Gladiator we'll talk about later on. We might need to put it – the YouTube link somewhere. Yeah. Um, a couple more that we'll talk about before we get to the Eliminator. Sky track. Uh, basically you're on an inverted track harnessed in and you had Velcro on your hands and feet to help you move. And you basically race to one end and back against the gladiator. You remember this one? Was that the one where you're doing like a bike, but you're hanging on? No, the hand bike was part of the eliminator as well. Okay. This one was just like you're harnessed into this thing and basically you're crawling on a wall, but the wall is above you. So like you're, you're inverted.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I don't remember that. Huh? That was one that definitely popped back into my mind when I started reading about it. Um, Swing shot was another one. You had a bungee cord. You had to bounce from one platform, hit the ground, bounce to another one, grab a ball, and then go back and try and score the ball. Classic tug of war. Yep. Uh, the one you'd like, the wall is a rock climbing one. You got a 15-second head start, and then the gladiator would chase oh. you up and try and pull you off.
1: Yeah, I remember that one. Gladiators usually always caught up with them. Oh, yeah. These guys are giant. I loved it Which- when when the contestants would kind of earn the respect of the gladiators.
0: Oh, yeah. You'd see one like win the joust and he'd be sitting on the mats like, oh, well, I probably should have tried a little harder that time.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could definitely tell when they didn't respect the competitors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which was, which, was, which I appreciated
0: For sure. Um, so then the Eliminator, the final event, it was more of like an obstacle course. Um, the first one you mentioned, the incline ramp. So originally the Gladiators had to push these giant medicine balls up an incline ramp and then put it into a holder. Yeah. In season two, they added those reverse treadmill belts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you had three chances to run up that thing without going to the bottom. And then if you couldn't get it, you could just go up the side and get either points deducted or you get fewer points or something like that. Yeah. After that, there were a couple pits you had to cross. The first one was a balance beam with gladiators swinging medicine balls at you.
1: Yep, remember that one. (laughs) Uh,
0: The second one at one point were like commando line ropes you had to crawl across. But then in season two, they introduced the hand bikes. Uh Uh-huh, yep. Um, They had a 20-foot cargo net you had to climb, the zipline at the top take you back down to the ground. And then finally, there was that last little part where it was two corridors. They had paper doors at the end. One of the one of the doors was clear. The other one had a gladiator behind it. It's basically luck of the draw. You busted through that last door, across the finish line, and your eliminator was over.
1: I remember just getting so into those. I really
0: want to watch an episode now. Um, Pluto TV is a streaming service apparently that has every single episode on it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I think you could <laughs> probably find them elsewhere for free. But.
1: They just found a new
0: subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need to spend 10 more dollars a month. On something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So we'll get into some of the gladiators. Uh, the one that comes to my mind first, just because I remember an interview from him, Malibu.
1: Huh?
0: Remember Malibu, long blonde hair. He was like a surfer bro was his persona, I guess. Well, I'm doing a quick Google. Yeah. Look him up real quick.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember this guy.
0: Yeah. Darren McBee. This guy is awesome. He's a oh, B-movie yeah. superstar. Yeah. Uh, in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, he played Motaro, like the half bull, half human guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, fellow gladiator, Saber, was Jax in Mortal Kombat. Oh. Yeah. Also, I know you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. You remember season two when that uh, when Larry David got into an argument with that ex-pro wrestler Thor Olsen? Yeah. Oh, yes. After he slashed that's his Thor. tires? That was Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> you had Michael Horton who played Gemini. Uh huh. He was accused, kind of, the captain of the American Gladiators during his eighty episodes. Yeah, I remember this guy. He actually played a security guard in Night of the Roxbury. <laughs> oh yeah, he kind of does look <laughs> familiar to me <laughs> in that way. Uh, and you got Dan Clark, Danny Clark played Nitro. Or sorry, he was Nitro. Uh, He's a former LA Rams player. He was in episodes of Walker Texas Ranger, uh, Saved by the Bell. Uh, he actually wrote a book. Uh, which seems like a must read it's called gladiator a true story of Royd's rage and redemption
1: oh i know i remember this guy yeah
0: good old nitro yeah um some other great names you had atlas blaze bronco cyclone diamond electra jazz storm thunder just perfect names for the american gladiators yep um <clears throat> kind of to wrap it up i was that that interview on, on Sports Illustrated, which I'll send you, is, is pretty cool, pretty interesting. Uh, but in an interview with in this interview, Laser was saying that uh laser, I can't even know what his name is, but yeah, <laughs> Laser said that uh the show paid I guess this is for the early seasons, like the show paid twelve thousand dollars for the for the first thirteen episodes plus four hundred percent in residuals. Okay. And oh. they were like they were like, uh, you know, if you got hurt in the first episode or the first whatever, first events, you just sucked it up because if you didn't compete if you didn't participate in the episodes you didn't get paid yeah and so they were all hopped up on painkillers they were always hurt um they they said like insurance definitely took care of them like if you got hurt you got fixed you just didn't get paid for the episodes that's good so uh but yeah that, that definitely like crazy stories of how these guys were pretty much just i mean mega celebrities at the time uh they had they had like tours where they'd go from They'd start in Maine, just go all across the country, and they played Madison Square Garden. They did, uh, you know, the Chicago Stadium, all that kind of stuff. Like,
1: wait, so the production would move around, or, or they were just on another touring circuit? Of, like, I think this
0: is another touring circuit as well. I think the production was mainly in one spot, but
1: huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. They would do shows as well. It was almost like a another wrestler, you know, WWF or something. At yeah,
1: the time. it has. Just looking at it again, it has such a uh, like a Baywatch vibe to it. Yeah. You know, same, similar era.
0: Right. And they had that, that whole like kayfabe as well, where it was like just this, these personas and all these beefs and stuff going on with the contenders and everything. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's so good. Definitely
0: something I want to go back and watch now that I've read a little bit more about it.
1: Yeah. I want to read that article.
0: I'll send it to you right now. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, the reason I thought you might have my topic is because this is somewhat in the news right now. But uh, I started thinking more about just the the aspects of this that I think are interesting. Michael, tell me what you know about hazard pay.
0: Um, hazard pay? Yeah. Is that like overtime? <laughs> yeah, sort of like
1: overtime. But have you been seeing some of the things in the news about like Amazon workers wanting to go on strike or uh, Instacart delivery people wanting hazard pay
0: for... Just for delivering in times of pandemics and stuff. You're correct. I don't know much about it, but I'm, I'm assuming they get like a uh, time and a half or something like that. But These guys aren't hourly though,
1: right? So, well, yeah. So, so typically like hazard, hazard pay is, um, it's more money for doing something dangerous, right? So it's, it's some right. premium on top of your hourly wage. So okay. it's supposed to be, it's, it's actually not federally mandated. Um, there's no federal law that says people need to get hazard pay, but usually, uh, employer will, you know, give you something extra if you're doing something that is more dangerous or maybe it's a little bit harder to find somebody willing to do this job. Um, you should, you know, if it's more dangerous, you should get more money to do it. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, let's let's look at some of like the most dangerous jobs in America. All right. So Instacart delivery. Instacart. Now, now quickly, quickly climbing the charts of dangerous yeah. jobs. So uh, I found this monster com article and I think monster advertises on a lot of podcasts so if you guys if you guys want to jump in we're, we're, we're referencing you guys right now but uh um, hey you yeah I, I liked I liked this article because it was like if you're interested in a life of danger one of these jobs might be for you create a monster profile that's just funny uh so the most the highest rate of injury is a fisher fisherman or uh, someone working in the fishing industry in 2017, so, there were 41 fatal inju- in, in, injuries and 120 non-fatal inju- injuries. Uh, that's the most. Uh, uh, I guess percentage-wise, it's yeah, it's like a per rate based upon like per thousand per hundred thousand workers. So obviously, not every industry is going to have a hundred thousand workers, but they, I guess, you know, normalize it into that number to find the yeah. the your likelihood of getting hurt. I guess, but. Um, it just makes me think of the most dangerous catch. You know, mm-hmm. you ever watch that yeah, show? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I went down a rabbit hole of looking at like fishermen injuries and yeah, I mean, a lot of hooks and machinery and gears and stuff like ah. cranes that move around those big uh, crab catchers. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah th- those things are going to fall on you and break your leg pretty good. It's like um,
0: winches for getting giant lobster cages out of the yeah, bottom of the ocean. Or yeah.
1: Oh, I saw some really brutal pictures of like hooks through your cheek and uh, it's hooks Jesus. through your hand. Those hooks are like huge sometimes. Like if you're yeah. if you're out in the fishing industry, like going after tuna or something, like it can be right. pretty brutal. Um, but actually, the one way that most people die on that show is drowning and hypothermia. Because the king king crab season is basically in the wintertime up in Alaska, so if you fall in or or you know you're working out there on the on the on the deck for so long, uh, I guess it's just it's really dangerous. Um, I think it's something like three hundred per hundred thousand, three hundred deaths per hundred thousand workers, um, which which that's just like in that one little silo of the fishing industry, but mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Um, and quickly on that, those guys actually, so to talk about hazard pay. It said that if you work on a King crab boat, the it's a three month fishing, um, season. So you could make as a deckhand about $15,000 a month. Uh, so you, oh, you're wow. looking at pulling in somewhere between 20 and $50,000 for that season. And captains make about twice that. So I, I tried to find what they did in other parts of the year. Uh, maybe they went and caught salmon or something, but, um, I think that they say the deck cans of those on those boats can make about a hundred thousand dollars a year. And the captains make about double that, but they also, you know, are taking a big risk of, um, you know, they got to find the fish, got to find the crab. And that's kind of how everybody gets paid out. Yeah. But a uh, pretty dangerous job. Um, the next category is logging workers, people that work in the logging Ooh. industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next one after this, I found kind of interesting because, I don't know, I think the the risk might be high, but the likelihood's pretty low. Um, aircraft pilots and flight engineers. I guess people might get hurt even fixing the aircraft, um, yeah. which I guess makes sense. But um, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I hear about that many pilots crashing. Maybe, maybe it's more um, like smaller planes and more regional aircraft. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's probably got to be something more to do with like or less less to do with plane crashes and more with maybe just like mechanical, like fixing the planes and stuff. I don't know. Working on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's listed under this seems stupid to say, but transportation incidents like, yeah, you're an aircraft. I think mm. I think it's going to be classified as transportation. <laughs> right. Um. One little fun fact I found in researching this. How many active aircraft in the United States are there? Do you, would, what do you think in that number? And I'll give you this as maybe a uh, like a little ruler stick. Delta has 910 aircraft in its fleet and United has about 800.
0: When you say active, you mean like in flight at any moment or? From the
1: FAA, there's this many aircraft, not, not uh, in flight at any given moment. And I think I actually, I think I remember seeing that there are about 6,000 planes in the air at any given moment in the United States. Oh, wow. But uh, active aircraft that are just sitting on like runways. And I guess there's somebody who owns them and I I guess they could come fly them if they if they needed to. How many I guess the question really is, how many registered aircraft do you think there are in the United States?
0: Jeez. Uh, 15,000.
1: Oh, way more. (laughs) 220,000 active aircraft in the United States.
0: That kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I didn't think about it long enough, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, but if you hadn't told me that there were six, what would you say, six thousand in flight at any time, I would have guessed like, I don't know. Well,
1: the only reason <laughs> why I guess the only reason why I guess I I think I know that number correctly. It could be it could be way off, but um, I think I remember seeing a show that was talking about people wanting to increase personal aviation. So more people having small planes that could take them places and one of the questions people have is like well wouldn't it get really busy up there and like we'd start having traffic jams in the sky and somebody was like uh there's currently 6000 planes in the air at any given moment in the United States and like you can look up right now and like how many planes do you see it's like right. you know it's not very many but that's the only reason why I think I know that number um okay but uh but yeah so let's continue down our list here we're not going to go through all of them i think this list has like 25, but um, favorites, yeah. Uh, one one place that actually is pretty dangerous is uh, like refuse and recyclable material collectors. So people Mm -hmm. are going out and picking up your trash. Um, roofers, roofers is a really dangerous job. Obviously, you know you're slipping and falling off a roof. Like you're going to get hurt. In fact, in 2017, there were 91 fatal injuries of roofers. How crazy is that? That's a lot. Yeah, like. Seems kind of like just on a day to day basis around the country, people are dying doing jobs that you would kind of be like, oh yeah, you really shouldn't have an accident doing that. But yeah, uh, obviously, I, you know, pe- the I guess if you're on a roof and the roof isn't as stable as you thought, you're gonna fall through. I could definitely see you getting hurt. Yeah. Well, it makes me think. Obviously. I kind of also thought about this when we were watching the construction job across the street from our office. And that guy was, was, had a carabiner and a, and he was going around that pole, like right at the edge of that building as I mean, just completely open. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was a time in, in our history where there were construction workers that were not tied into anything. I mean, what about that picture where all the guys are having lunch on that steel beam? It's like the most, like a really iconic American photo. They just have like a rope around their waist. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like how crazy is that? And, I think and they build, are way higher up than that guy is
1: across the street from our office. Way higher. I think – could they have been building the Empire State Building in that picture?
0: Forget. Something – yeah. I mean they're so high in the air. Yeah.
1: that I, I could not do that job. Um, you got any kind of – you got a fear of heights?
0: I mean I
1: don't like heights. It's kind of fun. I like I like to rock climb and do that stuff. Um, But I maybe kind of like to do it because it, it – I do feel that like burst of adrenaline sometimes. You're like, oh, God. Like, I'm going to fall or – I'm just on my like tippy toes, pretty high up here. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. But yeah, I think generally, I don't like heights. Like really high up in a building, if I step forward and look out the glass, like I'm not gonna have like a panic attack. But it's it's right. freaky.
0: It is. I get more heights scare me more when I'm on the ground looking up at them.
1: Thinking about it, like thinking about the yeah. person way up there. Yeah.
0: Well, like if I'm at the base of a giant tower and I look up, I'm like, whole like, it gives gives me a little bit of like vertigo. Yeah,
1: yeah. There was a uh, um a ride on the Stratosphere in Vegas where it's like one of those. It's like you sit in the seat and then it just blasts you up. But yeah, those I think are scary just on the ground, but they do it on the top of a building. I mean, that is so freaky. Right. Um. So a couple others, I think, uh, like drivers, sales workers, truck drivers. I mean, I think that's just Mm -hmm. dangerous because you're out there on the roads, you know? Right. Um, This is
0: long hauls that are driving for 12 hours at a time or something.
1: Yeah. That one, it it could be kind of just on you. You fall asleep at the wheel trying to do a job or something. shouldn't have
0: been out there. You got to take all those gas station supplements, like the horny goat weed and stuff, <laughs> Yeah, just to make sure you stay awake. Uh, yeah, the, the five hour energies that will give you a heart <laughs> attack. Well, that, that's another thing.
1: I, I jumped down to like firefighters is on this list, which makes sense. Um, but I, I went on this other little tangent looking at some of the data that they have just on firefighter deaths. So, like total injuries of firefighters listed on this Monster website, uh, they, they only see 34 fatal injuries in 2017. And I think we've had about 17 fatal injuries. Um, so far, in 2020, and I would say like half of them, or almost half of them, are are legitimately just heart attacks. Guys go out and they're they're maybe working a a, a job at a fire, and then they come home later and they end up having a, a heart attack or or like a stroke sometimes. And yeah. it's actually just I think more the stress of the job, not necessarily you know you're dying because of the flames or something. Mm-hmm. There, there were a, a lot of other um, injuries and deaths that were created in that for, of like roofs falling in, caving in floors, caving in when you're in it. And, um, and that's obviously like, I think the more that if you were going to die in like more of a backdraft, um, uh, type movie way, yeah. of f- t- fighting a fire that that's the way it would go. Um, a couple others, a mining machine operator. <laughs> that's a pretty dangerous job. A lot of big equipment. Uh, landscape uh where is it landscaping supervisors 50 what? 53 fatal injuries this year how does that what are you what are people
0: dying of mowing the Supervising. lawn yeah i you're don't know Mowing the lawn you're watching somebody mow the lawn
1: yeah 53 fatal injuries and 1040 non-fatal injuries in 2017 that seems kind of crazy And then you, and then so the next one down electrical power line installers and repairs, 26 fatal injuries, 1700 non fatal injuries. I don't know. It just seems like people need to pay more attention in some of these maybe uh, industries that don't seem like they're as dangerous as others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's go, let's move on just from lists. Um, (laughs) One other thing I wanted to bring up is soldiers. So if you work for the federal government and you're either a soldier or maybe you're um, a federal worker, maybe you work for the State Department, you get hazard pay if you're in a in a hostile territory. And they they delineate these two things as there's danger pay and then there's imminent danger pay. And so I think because soldiers, I guess, assume a level of risk because of what they're doing, and like that's a part of the sign up. That's a part of like what you're doing signing up. Um, they only give you $250 a month. Uh, and it's also taxable if you're a soldier and you're deployed in a danger area.
0: Doesn't that seem low? Well, that was gonna be my question is like, if some of these jobs are inherently dangerous and you know the risk of signing up for them. I mean, if you're a, a like a lawn, a landscape person, <laughs> I mean, right. Like I would assume that hazard pay is more of a stipulation that's in the fine print where it's like, you have to do this job during a hurricane or something. I don't know. Like that doesn't even make sense. Like where, how hazard pay would fit into that. Others right. like firefighter, for example, is like, well, yeah, you know, there's going to be inherent danger with the job. That's part of what you're signing up for. Right. Well, I the kind soldier of, thing that does seem
1: low. It seems a little low. Um, well, just quickly on it. If you're a federal employee, like if you work for the state department and they need to send you to Afghanistan for a month, you, there's like a pay schedule, a hazard pay schedule. And uh, you get, certain countries have different levels above your pay grade. So, Afghanistan for instance has a 35% premium on top of your wage. So the they break it down based upon how much time you spend in that place. So only the days that you're there do you get 35% your fee on top. Mm-hmm. But I mean that, I think people could go over there for a couple months and get, you know, a pretty nice little payday. And yeah. I think they're, all of their expenses are going to be paid. Like they're going to be put into a house that has protection and all that stuff. So, I mean, they're they're. it's a pretty good gig financially. Now you're still in a danger zone, but, but financially right. it could be a pretty good little good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to your point about sort of this like dilemma of the job inherently has risk that everybody knows about, but you need to kind of increase the demand of the worker. You, you're just going to get somebody who doesn't, hey man, I don't have anything to live for. I'm going to go do this job. I don't know why I put right. that accent on there mostly because I'm thinking of <laughs> mostly because I'm thinking of uh, like an oil rig worker. So it's like, it's a job where you can't have like uneducated people do this and you need like a certain understanding of physics and, and geology that like, you can't just have guys with a bunch of, you know, strength out there. Like you couldn't send just a bunch of American warriors out there, uh, <laughs> to, to work these oil rigs. So, Here's you sort of get into a place where you're almost luring somebody who could have a nice cushy desk job, but you're saying, hey, we need you to go out on this oil rig off the coast of Africa and work mm. this because we're trying to get some oil. And I think in, in those instances, those people can make a lot more money um, as, a, as a hazard pay. Uh, if you're kind of like an in-demand uh, worker and you have to go someplace that is dangerous. Um, yeah. I, I think you, it even just goes into, um, it's, it's, a, it's a discomfort for you and your family. Like it's a, you can get a little premium for, oh yeah, you th- to do this job, you got to be gone from your family for 90 days. And because of that, we're going to give you an extra $50,000 to make up for it. But hey, you've got this geology degree from whatever university and you're really good and you understand it, but you know, that, that's how they, they they make good on it. Right. Um but that kind of brings us to kind of our our place where this all began. The Amazon workers right now um are they want hazard pay. And I think it's an interesting I think it's an interesting dilemma for for both sides. I think obviously this coronavirus stuff came on relatively quickly and yeah, I think we could see the the fact that if more people are staying home more people are going to need stuff, stuff delivered, and now something that you maybe would have said six months ago would be sort of like a premium service, like "oh, you lazy, go out and go to the store and get your own stuff and bring it home," versus oh, "I just want to have it delivered." That's sort of like a above and beyond comfort product. Now it has become kind of like an essential, uh, kind of like overnight, I would say. Um, and so yeah, but I think
0: it's still. <clears throat> I think it's still definitely a premium or not a premium. It's definitely more like a, a luxury service just because people who can afford that, like a lot of people can't afford that, especially right now they've been laid off from work. They still have to go to the store. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, so uh, I think that ins- definitely is
0: more of a, a of a, a demand for it.
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it, this is the interesting part. So like, so Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have both come out cr- in a, Critical stance against Instacart, yeah. and so Instacart is still a private company. It's venture venture capital backed. Um, it I think is last valued at eight billion dollars is what the valuation of it is. But I didn't get full information about just how much money it's making. You know, so obviously this this kind of changed the entire economics of the company. Obviously, they want to see the increased demand, but they also don't don't necessarily want the bad publicity of, uh, you know, maybe jacking up their rates in order to pay their delivery drivers enough that they would feel adequately yeah. compensated. Um, but, but also, they don't want to look like they're just gouging people who have to stay home. So, I think they're in sort of a tough spot, and this whole essential versus luxury. I think is now starting to get blended. I, I just thought it was a little strong for Bernie Sanders to come out. I think his his direct quote is just something like, "They're worth eight billion dollars. They can afford to pay their their workers more." But it's not necessarily eight billion dollars cash. It's just eight billion dollars valuation. It's not necessary, well, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that that argue, every time somebody talks about uh, billionaires and and whatever you think about them, there's always a lot of the times there's always this like. Uh, there's no, there's no mention of liquid assets versus like net worth. for example. Right,
1: right. I mean, um, looking I at know. just the background of Instacart, it's, it's the CEO of his 30 year old guy from India. I mean, he, he had kind of an interesting path to being here, but he says he, he had launched like 20 different startups that all failed. And then Instacart finally took hold. I mean, it's in so many ways, it's like, you're the exemplary, uh, example of the American dream and we want to, you know, use you as like a, a case study of like what you can accomplish coming here, but then you're just going to have, you're going to be pitted as like an evil corporation by Bernie Sanders because of this, this, this issue that you're trying to deal with and find a, um, like a good deal for everybody. And I think that it's just like, it's a little early to start pointing fingers that people are, uh, you know, not not protecting their workers or not doing enough. I think that they're trying to find a happy medium between you know getting people their goods on time and and keeping their their employees safe and secure. I mean Instacart the employees came out and said they want a five dollar surcharge hazard pay essentially added to every yeah. delivery. And I think that is pretty um, reasonable even for somebody who maybe is a little more cash strapped to get you know groceries delivered.
0: Have you used this cart before?
1: I actually haven't.
0: I so I for the first time I hadn't either, and I had went on there to just to check it out two days ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like filled out a cart and everything. I was gonna take it to the end and if and check out the price at least. Uh, they couldn't deliver in, for like two weeks. Wow. So wow. I mean, so, I mean maybe, they're obviously either dealing did with something. Lot. Yeah, I either did something wrong or they're like super busy right now. Well, which, so. I imagine they are super busy. Well, I mean, the other flip side of
1: this, they're trying to hire 300,000 people right now. Did you know that? Yeah. That's an incredible mean, sense. I think that's more people than than are like active duty, like in the Navy. I mean, it's it's a huge amount of, of people to hire um, yes. and also to be hiring right now in a time when everybody's getting laid off. I mean, again, you don't want to use this as a time to take advantage of people, but it's also you don't want to necessarily go after a job creator in this time. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's a really interesting question. I, the Amazon, uh, the whole foods workers are saying that they want double their hourly wage. I think, I think they have come out and said, that, I, I don't know. I, I'd heard that somebody had offered $2 extra per hour. And I think generally in this, I think the workers just feel disrespected. I think that they see themselves as being essential members of the workforce, which in times like these, they, they, they are. Um, and I think they just want to be that, you know, they see a $2 extra increase, even though that could be, you know, 20% of their wage for 10 Slam or 15%. Yeah. It's just sort of, it doesn't sound like you're really helping them out. Um, right. and, and, and I get and that. It,
0: these are also like, uh, you know, a lot of the same people who are fighting to have that $15 minimum wage. Right. And people are, you know, in times not during a pandemic, they're saying, you know, you're not. You don't deserve that kind of money. You're not essential. That kind of thing, and then this kind of thing happens, and now they they're like, well, don't offer us two dollars now, you know? So right. they've kind of got the the balls in their field right now. I feel like, as well. So. Well,
1: they definitely have a lot of power right now. I know a lot of people are saying that there's going to be some big union that's going to come out, and uh, the Amazon workers are going to are going to unionize and and all that. Which I think, to to a degree, that that's. They, they probably do need to do that. But at the same time, with so many people losing their jobs, it's difficult to negotiate when there's somebody standing there. They'll be like, next man up. So it's it's we're in a very difficult, weird time. And I think the dust needs to settle in some ways. I wish we sort of had a, a government who could step in and maybe alleviate some of these problems um, yeah. rather than just kind of let the people fight the corporations and the corporations fight the workers in some ways. It's, it's not necessarily even a fight. It's just... We've got demand. We need to supply it, but the economics, the way we used to look at them, aren't necessarily working. We don't want to jack up prices on the consumer. That's going to look bad. Paying you guys not enough. That's going to look bad. And you know who 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 ultimately pays the price is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's a weird time.
1: Yeah. Well, so and, I, and just to wrap up, I have. Um, there are two companies that I think one, one did something well and one did something wrong, like the wrong way. So we'll start with uh, the right way. So uh, JM Smucker, they make like Smuckers, jams and all that stuff. So they offered $1,500 per employee of hazard pay for their 5,700 people. I think across the board, they just said, I'm not sure if it's per month or total for this right now, 1500 bucks. Everybody gets it. That Turns out to $8.55 million. I think that right now is a is a really good start, and I, I commend them for, for doing something about that. Yeah. The wrong way, you have Spectrum Internet, the Spectrum <laughs>
0: Internet provider. Those guys can do no wrong. Yeah,
1: no wrong. They offered their workers a $25 gift card to a local restaurant, quote, as a token of our appreciation. That seems like a slap in the face, not only because it's a low amount of money, but you can't even go to a restaurant right now. Well, that's a dog shit company to begin with. Exactly. I mean, that's just a horse shit way to to, to treat your people. Um, Internet
0: service providers should be the target of every every single person out there. Absolutely, they're the worst companies in the world.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they're they monopoly on the on on their little regions of the world and the way they squeeze people. It's just it's horrible. Mm. Anyways, that's a, a little background on hazard pay. I'm glad I don't to really to work in a on a job that, that, part, that requires it. Yeah,
0: yeah. To touch on that last part about ISPs, I have friends that live in South Georgia. We talk, we play video games a good bit together, and there, there, there's a an ISP and and like I don't I don't I don't know exactly where all it is, but I know it's in South Georgia called MediaCom, mm-hmm. and they uh, give their like users, their customers, data limits. They have like a thousand gigabyte data limit monthly on internet. That And during this time, they've lifted that because they're like, yeah, you know, you're going to be at home more or whatever. And it, it, there's no change. It's like they're just greedy idiots who just want money, yeah. right? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't like stress their systems more. It's the same exact crappy service you always get. Right. Yeah. I bet, get they,
1: I bet they lifted it and there's still like bandwidth problems. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I also think that I remember seeing that something that Trump was meeting with the telecom companies and I wonder if if they're they're asking for some bailout because of the increased capacity requirement and i i, I just think it's such bullshit yep yeah well we're certainly in a an interesting time i liked your uh more light-hearted topic <laughs> uh i hope uh i hope the amazon workers stay safe and yes. everybody else can stay safe during this this harder time but uh uh i i want to watch a little bit more american wrestling and, and not think about hazard pay
0: yeah, I'm going to try and keep my topics light for the next however long this lasts. Uh, we won't have any like act, like what you should do in an active shooter situation, for example. Yeah, We won't be talking about that on this podcast.
1: Yeah. If, if I have another FBI negotiation, to, uh, when I'll, I'll just wait three months.
0: Hopefully yeah, three months.
1: months.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was episode 49 of the show. Episode 50 coming up next week. Um, hope everybody has a great weekend uh, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.